0: Let's talk about Silly Games, the extended a cappella version. Let's also discuss why we hover over the toilet seats outside of our house or wrap it up with toilet paper. What about the man with the crucifix? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. So this episode is in regards to the Lover's Rock episode, the second instalment from uh, the BAFTA and Oscar Award winning um, director Steve McQueen's series, Small Acts, which has been on um, BBC, BBC One. So I've been, well, I've spoken to a few people. They said, "Yep, yeah, you should do a podcast on this because it's, it's got the, the, the community in uproar, you know, so we should speak on it. Um, So, uh, you've probably all heard about it. Um, It's a 70-minute long show. Um, There was one just before it, which was um, about the Mangrove Nine, which was excellent. You didn't hear anything but praise um, for Steve McQueen in regards to that. Um, And Steve McQueen, he's he's famous for doing, I think he'd done um, 12 Years a Slave as well. So he's, um, you know, he he, he knows what he's doing. You know, he's, he's very skillful at what he does. But this particular episode, like I said, it got some people. Some people really irate. Some people asking questions. Um, I haven't spoken to anybody that said, "Yeah, he's nailed it. Everything 100 percent." And it's for different reasons. So, really, this is just me giving my perspective. So, um, to the synopsis of the show, if you haven't seen it, um, it's it, well, it was called Lovers Rock, but I think people got caught up in the title more than anything because, and I can understand why, because, you know, it's called Lover's Rock. You're presuming this is going to be a depiction of the Lover's Rock scene and you expect it to be 100% authentic to that. And plus as well, coming on the back of Mangrove, which is a factual um, story, um, also you're probably expecting it to be as factual as that because that was the one that um, was was prior to it. So, but it turns out, this show was, um, it was about West London blues dance, actually. And it was specifically 1980. It's even as specific as 1980, um, in a Ladbroke Grove house party. Um, and as we saw in the show, it was um, a girl's birthday party. I'm going to try not to give out any spoilers in case people haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, so it was a girl's birthday party in Ladbroke Grove. So... I I suppose the first thing (coughs) I'd want to say to people is, you know, the the title, yep, it might have been a little bit misleading, made people think that it was Lovers Rock Show, but let's remember, we've got classic movies like Rockers, you know, and Rockers was nothing about rock and roll, you know what I mean? So we can have, you know, the name thing, yeah. So, okay, so, so with Lovers Rock, I think Lovers Rock, That era kind of started in 1974 and 1975, I think. Um, Don't quote me on that, but I think it's somewhere around that. But um, this particular... Like, in in blues dances... um, Blues dances in the 80s and stuff, they'd play... You'd hear lovers rock there. You'd hear reggae. You'd hear rare grooves. You'd hear various types of music, you know. Um, And it it really depended on what sound was playing there, depending on what you'd hear, you know. And if it was just a, a party, you could hear... You might, you can hear anything is, is what I'm saying, but um, you can hear a lot of different things, but blues dance, um, yeah. It, it, I mean, some of the things I saw in it were, made sense to me. Some of the things were very questionable, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll go forward and speak about, but, um, but it wasn't like a hundred percent, this is crazy. This is nothing to do with our culture as um, black people. Um, in in the UK around that time, so so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that a bit. But remember, my this is just my my perspective and my outlook from my me growing up in Hackney. So um so yeah, I, I, like I said, as I was watching it, because the first one was a factual story, I thought that this one might be a factual story. But I was aware that he had made five, and one was gonna be um, fictional. So actually, as this as this one was playing out, I actually thought it was the nineteen eighty one New Cross House um, party, um, the fire that happened in the New Cross House party. That's what I actually thought it was, um, until some things was happening, which I'll get to that made me say, nah, this this is this has got to be the um, the fictional one." So, um, but ultimately, all that being said, this show has sparked for me in my circle it sparked a lot of conversation you know conversations that I would never have had you know even caused me to to call my dad and ask him how how what it was like in raves for him at his time because I was a little bit confused as to what period of time was it was was it in the 70s was it in the 80s was it late 80s was it you know it was a little bit because there is a difference you know there will be um, a significant difference so um so, yeah, my, my dad had some choice words. He he weren't best pleased, to be fair. But I'm not sure if he understood the the timeline and stuff like that. But hey, we'll get to that bit too. So um things that I picked up on and I had questions on was um what age group the people attending the the, the, the party was. Because the, the part the the show basically spent most of the time within the house. I mean, I think I think the artistic I and or the artistic way of Steve McQueen was to try to make you feel like you're you're gonna watch a show and you're gonna feel like you was there, you know. So I I could I could see the artistic way he was going with it and it was strange it was odd because you know I'm sure everybody was like hang on a minute is this all gonna be in the house at the party you know so, but like I said art you got art, when you're artist when you're creative it's up to you you know you're creating something so you do it how you want so that was a different experience so yeah my first question was what age group it was so for me it was a little bit confusing initially not even initially as it, as it got to the party but initially you know you saw a girl um climbing out of a window to kind of sneak out meet her friend and go to this party um, but when they got to the party I saw things that I remember as a kid you know certain fashion the music just certain little nuance type things that that I recognized um, but I obviously looking at these people in the way they was dressed, I remember that from a kid's perspective, so you know you know everybody in that was was big people, but it's hard to, it's hard to explain, but yeah, everybody in it was was big people. I, you know, the guy had his big hat on the predator type guy that well, turned out to be a rapist. Um, the way how he was dressed, I know a lot of people that were dressed like that, you know um. Some of my life, I lived on Sandringham Road, for instance, and that, that was the front line in, um, in, in, in East London. So, so yeah, I recognised some of that fashion, but I couldn't place whether how old I would have been at that particular time, and hence why I asked my dad certain questions. So that was the first thing. Um, but as it, as it... Now I've seen the whole thing, looking back on it, the people that we was looking at were were like, I'd say in their late teens, early 20s. You know, you get some older people in there, obviously. But I think that was the general thing, i.e. the girl whose birth date was um, in, in the show and the girl who climbed out the window. They, I think they were around that age and the guy that she met. Um, so also as well, um, like I said, the, the year of it, um, I found that since it was 1980. So it was a very specific year, um, which then put it into perspective as to how old I was. So. I definitely wouldn't have been there, you know, because I'm too young. So I wouldn't have definitely wouldn't have been there. But um, I, I recognised loads of bits of... I mean, I probably might have been there, but I would have been upstairs underneath the coats um, sleeping, with my, you know what I mean, just with the other kids, the other couple of kids where their parents had brought them. So that was the era we grew up in. So, um, so there was little things. So even, the, the, you know, him, there was a scene with the bicycle and the guy... After the, after the rave, he's got the girl on his bicycle. So he's come to the rave, obviously, on his racer bicycle, and then he's dropping her back to wherever they're going on the bicycle. That didn't match, you know. People, as far as I know, didn't go to... You don't hear people going to raves or, or blues on bicycle. You're definitely not going to do that. So that was a bit odd. Um, there was the rolling around on the floor when that, when, the, when the Kunta tune came on. Uh, man stripping off his top and stuff like that that I've never seen nothing like that but again with my confusion at the end of the show I had to ask my father and say is this what you guys were doing when I was a kid you know when I'd be because I don't know I've never had that conversation Um, but he categorically said no son we would never have been doing that in our good clothes which made perfect sense to me so that I don't know where Steve McQueen got that piece from, but yeah, these, these, that definitely rung some alarm bells for me. Um, there was a, LG, a brief LGBT scene um, with two girls kissing, um, which was also random and odd because she had just been raped pretty much um, in the garden and she'd come back in the house and then she was upstairs kissing her friend. So I, su- I, I suppose it was depicting that they may have been uh intimate prior to this but again it just it just didn't match it, it just didn't match it, it felt like a tick box exercise that piece um but you know obviously there were there were people that were um uh um, homosexual at that time you know so yeah so that was a little bit odd though the way it went um i'd really like the accent because there was a the, the the lead guy in the show um there's a throughout most of the show he's speaking in a heavy West Indian accent, Jamaican accent, probably. Um, yeah, there was a, it was a Jamaican accent, but he was speaking, it was heavy and thick. So, but when he he uh, bumped into his boss, without me telling you too much of the story, um, and obviously the, it's his boss, so he, he went straight into his normal English accent. And I recognise that, you know, I recognise, I mean, even now, I, I know there's people that I know that have was born here, we was... East London accent, you know, as cockney as you like, as kids, and even now, they talk with heavy uh, Jamaican accent when they want, you know, and then they they chop and change and stuff like that. So I recognised that, and that was hilarious, because I've never seen that really depicted, um, you know, on the screen like that as well, but I definitely recognise that. Um, he, he went into what we call um, the speaky-spoky voice, you know, so yeah, he did that piece. So, there was also, like, um, uh, one of the, one of the um, characters was quite aggressive, coming with mental... It seemed like mental health issues he had, you know, really um, going off and all that stuff. So that, that was... Yeah, I could recognise that, you know. You'd get people that were a little bit off-key. Yeah, that's what we would have said back in the day. That would have been the term. Somebody that's off-key. Um, yeah, so so that that I could recognise, but so he added that bit in there, and obviously that ticked that box, but that wasn't that wasn't the alien one. That didn't make me question anything because I've seen that, you know, um, the, the the weed smoking, the heavy weed smoking. I recognise that in blues, not yeah, definitely, definitely in blues, beans. Um, I know people that are into Lovers Rock, they said, you know, we didn't really get that in Lovers Rock. So much people smoking weed and stuff like that. And granted, there would have been, you know, some, I I suppose back in the days you would have have called Lovers parties, some people would have called them sweet boy parties, the Lovers Rock side of things. But I've been to many blues dance where, you know, the smoke is, you know, it's thick with um, cannabis smoke and weed smoke and stuff. So... And, and and other things as well, especially back then, you know, with the yeah, yeah, there was <laughs> there was a lot going on through the eighties to be fair. We've got to remember um in the eighties that was that was when 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 crack arrived um to the UK, you know, the later part, eighties, nineties, stuff like that. So so yeah, yeah, there were there were different things, but I think it really depends where you were and what sort of parties, and that's why I said the fact that this was based in West London in 1980, me personally, I can't remember, I, well, I was too young to be going to any parties at that at 1980, but um, the when you go to parties in different areas, when I did start to go out, you, it was quite different. Different things happened, mostly similar, but the, the places were different, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, we did, yeah, in my early days of raving, we didn't really have to go out too far because all of the, all of the clubs were in Hackney, to be fair. People come from miles around to come to Hackney. So, um, but yeah, there was differences in, in different places. Um, but yeah, weed smoking in the in, in blues, that is not alien to me, for sure. But I know, like I said, the lovers... Again, because lovers rock people are saying this is not a lovers rock rave. This is not authentic to that. But as I said, it wasn't meant to be. Um, the director has made it very clear um, it was a blues dance it was just the name was called Lovers Rock so I think people got caught up in that um, the the extended acapella from the crowd wow that was lengthy um, that was hilarious um, how lengthy it was I mean definitely that is a tune Silly Games by Janet Kay that tune would definitely get wheeled up and the girls would sing for a little bit and then the the DJ might wheel it back and then play the tune again and drop it just for them to do the main piece and then go back. There's no way you'd be singing in a dance for like five minutes. i I thought it was hilarious because it, it was it got to bits where it was like quiet in the tune, and then they'll come back and sing again the next chorus it was it was a lot but um, but everybody, that tune is ringing in everybody's head, and I'm sure. Um, they 're getting a lot more royalties. I bet I could imagine the sales have gone up since that, so there 's a positive to it. you know It might not be as authentic as as we would have liked, but there 's a positive positive of that um, The fashion, like I said for me when I watched it, I was like, I recognized these people i wasn 't dressing like that by the time I was going out i weren 't dressing like that, but I saw people dressing like that you know i 've seen people dressing like that all through my my you know my I don't know pre, my pre uh, uh, teenage years definitely, definitely the the hats, the the clothes, the shoes, all of that. So I recognised that. Um, but by the time I was at partying, um, we definitely weren't dressing like that. Um, so, but when I, that that was one of the things that I I had to ask my dad, and you know once he watched it, he he, 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 what did he say? He said that, yeah, no, he said, no, the fashion weren't right. No, we wouldn't have been wearing all those bright colour things. But I think he, even my dad, I think he was thinking this was early 70s because I didn't, I didn't tell him that it was the 80s. So I think from his perspective, he, he, like I said, the, fil- the way how it was done, there was, it was pulling in so many different elements. Um, it's like everybody could relate to it, but it didn't hit the mark for everybody. If you get what I mean, so everybody could speak on it because I'm speaking to people who are like seventy years old, sixty year old, thirty year old, forty year olds, you know, across the board that that can that watch it, and they have different feelings to it, you know. And I, what I realize is, people that are over, let's say, over fifty five, those people are angry and upset with Steve McQueen. The people under that age are okay you know they kind of get it and they, they get the bits that are not 100 percent right but it's it's not from a place of anger that's what i've you know in the circles that i'm in that's that's what i've seen so it's quite interesting like i said i think it's good because it sparked conversation so yeah my dad my dad was talking about his fashion and again i would never have had this conversation with my dad he started telling me about mohair trousers he started telling me about um tailored trousers was the thing you know there was a lot of jewish tailors in hackney at the time and that's where they used to get their trousers made. He said there was no multicolored tops. It was all dark clothing, slick. Um, yeah, so so yeah, it was it, it was interesting. It gave me an insight. And even he even spoke about the clubs as well where he used to go. Like there was a club called Shelley's, um, St. Mark's Rise was one one of the spaces he talks about. My dad's my dad's now 70, just to put it into context. Um, but yeah, he said St. Mark's Rise, these are all hackney locations. Um, 99 Downs Road, um 007 Club, Bluesville, and um Church Club. So this is a piece of history that I've been able to tap into thanks to Steve McQueen. So I'm not I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him because like I said, these these are golden conversations that it's allowed me to have with my dad. So um so, yeah, what other scenes? So there were scenes like the, um, yeah, the going to church bit, you know, like when, when there was, a, I won't tell you when, cause I don't want to spoil it, but there is a scene where, you know, the girl has to go to church on Sunday. And, you know, most people from my community, we, we recognise that as, as young people, you know, as young kids and, and young teenagers, you've got to go Sunday school, you've got to go church in the morning, you know, that was a staple. Um, So, yeah, you don't really see too much of that depicted on TV, so that was good as well. Another one to to, um, remind you what things used to be. Just for me, when I think of Sunday school, I think of the pastor. his name was Pastor Brown. Um, It reminded me of Vimto, um, because you used to get the little Vimto drink in the little white plastic cup. you get some biscuits. um, And as a kid, all you wanted to do was ramp. You didn't really want to be there and do anything. But, you know, there was a couple of hype songs that you would sing. And um, but yeah, I, w- I won't do that on the podcast. I, I, I won't be able to live it down if I do that. But I think you all you you all got one of those hype songs in the church that even though you didn't want to be there, you used to get into that particular song. So um, yeah, so that was that was quite authentic that part there. Um, but I tell you what made me know that this was definitely fiction is. There was, every once in a while, there was a scene with a man walking on the street with a crucifix over his shoulder. It was like a black Jesus. He had this crucifix on his shoulder. And I I swear, at one point, I think he actually come off a bus and had the cross folded up, put it down on the floor and started to unpack it and, you know, build up his cross and then start walking with it again. From that point, I said, nah, this has got to be fiction now. So, yeah, that never really got explained. But again, I think that was maybe i don't know if i suppose it's, it's um, subjective but for me maybe that just emphasized how how the church and christianity kind of run through uh, through the community you know it was it was it was a it was a big part of of um of of growing up and like i said sunday school and all that stuff that that was, that was a big part um i mean obviously now you look at now you've got people that are in you know you have people that have gone from christianity to being muslims now or gone to jehovah witness now or or whatever they're doing different religions now but back then every you wouldn't have found like black muslims as far as i know you know that that wasn't a thing at that time at all you know you had in hackney you'd had jewish people in in stanford hill and Newton, you had um asian people as well um and you had uh, black Caribbean and African that were Christians, you know um so so yeah so, and the Asians would be the 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 um Sikhs or or um would be like Muslims or Hindus and stuff like that so yeah it wasn't it was different so that was you know having something that depicted Christianity running through it and then like I said the part when they go to church when I mean, she has to go to church that was authentic it tapped into that part. But it definitely made it clear this has to be fiction um so there was there was yeah there was a, a disturbing scene with the um i think the guy's name was bammy he had on he had on the hat and i recognized that dress sense it really just reminded me of sandra and road when i see that dress sense that remind, reminds me of sandra and road when sandra and road was was hot um but yeah this man here he was he, he was a rapist basically he was walking around the dance he was like a predator you know girls would be dancing with a man, and he's kind of scoping the girl over the shoulder, and but yeah, he ended up taking the girl out the back and then um, and assaulting her. So um, yeah, that happened. But even that, the way it happened, the girl—I don't—I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, yeah, they, they were, it was a bit odd. Let's just say that whole situation was a bit odd, um, and there was only black people in the party. Now, if I think back when I was going out you might have had the odd I'm talking about 1980 so 1980 and beyond um, you might have the odd um, you know white person or Asian person or whatever um, but it was predominantly black to be fair it was when I was going out but what my dad said was at the time when he was going out which would have been i presume i'm presuming in the mid 70s and stuff like that he said it was mixed you know you'd have white people you'd have indian you know that that would be the norm you know it's just young people partying so actually i'd have to ask him what specific era time year he's he's talking about but i believe it was the 70s um so there was also a little scene to emphasize um racism nothing really happened but you could you know, there was that race. I think there was doing monkey noises and stuff, but nothing really come of it. But it just, it was enough to let anybody watching know that, okay, black people had to deal with racism at that time without going too deep into it. So I thought that was good as well. And you've got to remember, this is only 70 minutes. So I, from a creative point of view, I can see what he's trying to do. Could he have done it better? Yes, definitely, 100%. But I can see it's like he's trying to cram everything in didn't do enough research on certain things. Or maybe that wasn't the point. Like I said, from you see a man walking with a cross up and down um, in, in the thing, it, it, it's not like it was meant to be all factual. It's like it's just getting the information out That's the way I saw it anyway. Um, so there was a scene also with a girl, the girl that comes to the party, her friend ended up leaving her at the party. I don't think that would happened because that, that wouldn't have been a friend. That's not what friends do, especially girls, you know. I mean, guys as well. You just don't, you know two of you come out and then one gets uh chirps by a man and then you go and leave no that 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 doesn't really happen otherwise that that wouldn't have been your friend for sure um yeah big hoo-ha for the late the ladies big hoo-ha about the way the girl went to the toilet and sat down on the toilet seat rather than hovering or wa- rather than um decorating the seat with as much toilet paper as possible so yeah i think yeah, yeah, that's, that, that is for real, though. We, you know, we, we don't try to be sitting on people's toilet seats, for sure. And you can imagine that, to, remember, there's one toilet in the house. There's loads of strangers using this toilet, one after the other. Not everybody's clean and tidy. Um, so, yeah, it's not really the kind of seat you'd be sitting down on, for sure. So, so I, get, I, get, I get that bit. And, and again, if they had showed her wrapping up the seat with toilet paper, it would have been so authentic. You know, people would have recognised that. It's a little thing, one of those little nuances, you know. Um, I think what he should have done, he he should have spoke to, you know, people like 70-year-old people downwards, like 70, 60, up to 50. He should have gone 50, 60, 70. Spoke to them about raving, people who were there, that age group, and um, it would have been... But again, I, I'm saying that, but he wasn't doing a... Lover's rock thing, and he wasn't doing that hundred percent factual thing so so yeah, but yeah, he could could he have done with more research yeah I'd say yes still, um, so there was that um the stringing up the set um piece, and you know how committed the sound guys are to to, to stringing up set and you know having the light bulb thing and all that I remember all of that stuff man it it brought back a a lot of memories, you know, sound system guys. Whoever followed sound system or is into sound tapes, you definitely recognise that element of it, you know. Um, so yeah, there was there was lots of stuff. I mean, I'm I'm not captured everything, but it's just, you know, this is just my perception and my my take on it, you know. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure people would disagree with many things, but you know, we've all lived our life and we all we all see life through the lens of our eyes. So this is just my perspective of it. Um so in summary. In summary, I feel like um, I feel like Steve McQueen's a great, um, great at directing factual films. He's proved that, you know. He's done Mangrove, he's done um, Twelve Years a Slave, so he's proved he is a great director. You know, he's one of our greats when it comes to directing. We can't take that away from him, and we should definitely hold him up high, even if he doesn't get everything right all the time. Um, but maybe doing fictional stuff that might not be his strong point. You know, that's that's as far as I'd go with that. But tonight's episode is um, Red, White and Blue. Um, And I hope people are not, it's called Red, White and Blue and it's on at nine o'clock on BBC One. Um, So I hope people um, are not turned off by that last episode and say, no, I'm not watching it now or whatever. Um, Because like I said, this this man is a genius. We we can't take that away from him. Um, And hopefully um, he proves me right because I'm really predicting that all of them are going to be excellent all the factual ones we're not going to have no problems with that's what i'm predicting time will tell time will tell so um so yeah that's that's what i'd say about that um i think i think there could have been more positive depictions of black of black men um because most of it was quite negative you know from the weed smoking to the throwing yourself around on the floor to the mental health um to the rape you know there wasn't enough balance when it comes to the positive side of us. Um, the guy who rid the bicycle, you know, he was seemingly um, a good guy, but there should have been more balance. And, and, and that, that, that was a big thing. I think, I think that would have um, saved him a lot in, in, people's, in many people's eyes, that being Steve McQueen, if he, if he had had a bit more positivity um, for black males. Because obviously, you know, you know, we don't get a lot of positivity of us on, in TV. On the TV, so it would have been an opportunity to do, it, especially in 2020, you know. So that's one of the things I would say. Um, but as you know, on the that on the positive side, but on the authentic side, for that era and that time, 80s, 1980 specifically, um, if there was a scene where you know somebody got wet with a ratchet, you know, as negative as that would be, that would have been authentic. When you're talking about um, blues and shabins, that would have been authentic definitely not lovers, not a lover's thing because like I said that was a sweet boy and a you know um you know sweet boy situation so you may, you wouldn't have really got that there, but in blues and shabins and stuff like that, that would have been authentic as negative as it was um yeah so that that would have been something um, and like I said earlier, you know if there was a scene that cut maybe there was you know the, where there was young kids that weren't that was were just upstairs sleeping amongst the coats and stuff like that enough people, many people would have been able to tap into that and say, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was me. Or that was me bringing my kids there, you know. But for me personally, that was me and my my younger brother, for instance. I definitely remember being up in the coats, you know. It was like a little bit of an adventure. And then you get woken up and it's time to go home. But obviously now I can see what would have been going on downstairs um, to a certain extent, minus the throwing yourself on the floor and tearing off your top. 'Cause that that be definitely weren't happening. So um so yeah, that that was that was that would have been good. Um also, um I would also I mean, yeah, I think I think people overlooked, like I said, they overlooked that one of them had was fictional and um four of them were factual, you know, and that obviously is the fictional one. Um but I think one of the one of the big things I think that's come from this is it's highlighted that there's an appetite for a film to be made or even a series or whatever to be made on a lover's rock specifically. You know, specifically on lover's rock. That's what this is highlighted. So this is an, another positive from this. You know, there's an opportunity now because we know there's a market for it. It's This is called so Cause... Definitely cause um people to say nah, this were 't right, and it should have been like this, and it should so now, if I was a director or 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 a writer um from that era i'd you know i 'd be putting pen to paper because I know there's a captivated market that are now want to see um that era which they hold dear um depicted specifically and correctly, you know, and also they can be prepared for some backlash because as as <laughs> from what I can see. You have to get that 100% right. Otherwise, you will be metaphorically scalped, you know, by, by, the, by that generation of people. It's very personal to them. Um, and rightfully so, and rightfully so. Um, for me personally, overall, so far, I would give Mangrove um, 9. I'd give it 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. It ticked all the boxes. That, that was proper, 100%. In regards to um, uh, Lovers Rock... I'll give that a six and a half, seven out of ten, you know, because I I appreciate the creativity. Um, It was a little bit disjointed. It was a bit of a mishmash of stuff. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll give it a six and a half, seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I'll say that. But what I'll give it a ten out of ten for is the music. The music was definitely off the chain definitely brought back some loving memories um yeah the i mean obviously they definitely rinsed out silly games um by by janet Kay, written and produced by dennis boval who also made a cameo you know he was in he was in the party scene there singing out his his lyrics and stuff so, like I said, them guys will be getting some royalties. He, you know, he'll be getting some, a lot of royalties off of the back of this because I'm sure people have gone out and, and bought that and streamed it. People that have never heard that music. All, all of the music on there, to be fair. I'm sure people were shazamming all the way through that, you know. So, um, yeah, so some great songs like um, He's the Greatest Dancer by um, Sister Sledge, um, Robin Hood um, by Cry Tough and the Originals, um, Darling Ooh um, by Errol Dunkley, um how long how long will it take by Pat Kelly um Carl Douglas is kung fu fighting that was hilarious in the movie <laughs> when there was doing the kung fu fighting because that when I see that obviously I were not old enough to be in the rave doing that but I remember doing them kung fu moves at home you know this was the time of yeah you, you know you do all that ramping in front of your parents so um I definitely I, did, but I you know obviously I didn't realize adults were doing that in, in the raves as well so that was funny. Um, what other songs they play? Um, Things in Life by, Desi, uh, by Dennis Brown. Um, After Tonight by Junior English. Wow, that song used to play heavy in my house. I mean, all these songs used to play heavy, but that, that one definitely. Um, Lonely Girl by um, Barry Biggs. Um, Baby, Baby My Love, that played heavy in my house. Baby My Love, um, uh, The Crowd um, and Just Stitch. Um keep it like it is, big tune, Luisa Mark, um the revolutionaries, Kunta Kinte Dub, that was the tune where they was tearing off their top and rolling on the floor, which was ridiculous. But <laughs> although people have people have said to me that um in, in shaka raves, they've been to Jashaka raves and they've seen not black people but they've seen white people going on like that in in, in a Jashaka dub rave. Um so yeah, so so maybe that's that's where they pulled it in, but um, but yeah, yeah, not 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 people in a in a blues dance. You would not have seen that in a blues dance, no way. Um or a lover's rock dance. Um, what other songs? Um Dreadlocks in the moon in the moonlight, Lee Scratch Perry, um Have a Little Faith, Nikki Thomas, and this one it should it should be my um my anthem is um mistral pablo <laughs> yeah augustus pablo yeah so yeah so the music the music was definitely definitely amazing definite soundtrack you know i think if if somebody puts if he puts out a cd with them tunes on it it's, it would definitely sell off people would definitely buy that so yeah so this is my take on it so hopefully you you're watching you're listening to this um an hour before If you put this on, I think this is going to run for about 36 minutes. So if you put this on just before the show, uh, you put it on about half or put it on about seven o'clock and then you watch this and then you can go into the next one which is at nine o'clock today um, and on BBC One and that's red, white and blue, which is, is, I, I know that one's going to be a really good show. So thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.